I became fascinated with looking at things where they fall in a, for lack of a better word, on a timeline. You might find out something about that story that could not be anything but God. Now you're reading that and you're thinking, why do I care about idiots? Yeah, and listening to it going, I don't want to listen to this podcast. <laughs> exactly. I'm a snake. I'm a slitherous snake. I'm a snake of snake. <laughs> you have the potential to do great evil or to do great good. Because what you see when you begin to look at history is that we're all connected. This is History Through the Eyes of Faith with Angie Ferris. And I'm your host, Frank Rains Jr., along with producer Wes. Thanks for listening. We're in, this is episode four. Man. History Through the Eyes of Faith. With Angie Ferris, hosted by Frank Rains Jr. And produced by Wes the Sketch. <laughs> Wes Rains. Um, yeah, History of the Eyes of Faith. And we are in the book of, still in Genesis. Yeah. We're still in Genesis. Um, and we're going to be talking about Abram um, from, the last, from the last episode. We got up to Abram, and um, better known as Abraham. Better known as Abraham. But are we going to officially talk about the change to Abraham? We don't really know when that I don't, happened. I it we do know it's in there, but I don't have it marked to talk about. That can be in addition at another. It's a little time. homework. If you want to write in, email in, call in when you know it happened. The verse, the book verse, when it's referenced that Abram became Abraham. God gave him a new name. It's, but he is going to have more. What's the word? The dust more than du, what? Uh, more descendants. Descendants than, than the dust. If the dust of the earth could be counted, that's how many descendants he would have. More okay. than the dust. Of more the than the dust, dust of the earth. earth. Yeah. So that means you can't count it. Right. Okay. Because it's a, not a number. It's just more than. The dust of the earth. That's my guess. Yeah. Okay, so let's let's pick it up. Where we where we do now? Okay, I mean, so gonna... we were in Genesis fourteen, I think. Wait, 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 wait. We got creation. We yeah. got Adam. I'm I'm doing the flashcards in my head. Yeah, I don't have them pulled out. I don't out, know so... if I'll get it right. Okay. Creation, Adam and Eve, the fall. Very good. Noah. Uh-uh. The fall, Cain and Abel. Got it. Noah. I think so. Cain and Abel. And then you Cain and Abel, no, there's a third third son, Seth. Seth, yeah, he has a card too. Seth has a card? Yep. Seth. Then probably Noah. Mm-hmm. And then after Noah. The flood. The flood. Mm-hmm. Then the Tower of Babel. Yeah. And now Abraham. Yes. So we started Abraham's story. We talked about him moving, how he moved, and followed God's command to come into the land of the Canaanites, right? Yeah. And so he's there, and I think we ended talking about how he went and defeated the kings, right? Did we bring that up? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He went in, and the, the other folks couldn't do it. 
Yeah. So Lot got captured. Lot. As a consequence, Lot is Abraham's nephew, as a consequence of Sodom getting captured. So we're going back into that story. Okay. Mm. We stopped there and then talked a little bit about science and faith and that kind of stuff. Great episode. If you didn't hear it, please go back and pick it up. Listen, yeah. Um, So now we're jumping back into that story. So I'm going to start with verse 14 in Genesis 14. When Abram heard that his relative had been taken captive, he called out the trained men born in his household and went in pursuit as far as Dan. During the night, Abram divided his men to attack them, and he routed them, pursuing them as far as Hoboth, north of Damascus. He recovered all the goods and brought back his relative, Lot, and his possessions together with the women and the other people. After Abram returned from defeating Ketaliomer and the king's allied with him, the king of Sodom came out to meet him in the valley of Shava. Now, this is just a little aside. When you come across words in the Bible that you don't know how to pronounce, just act like you do and just keep going. Yeah. Because it's not really. Yeah. I was watching you read that, Mm -hmm. and there were facial expressions (laughs) that I don't know what I'm saying, but for the listeners, you probably couldn't tell. (laughs) Yeah. So, anyway. So... When he returned from feeding, defeating the kings and those that were allied together, the king of Sodom, which now, remember, Sodom was where Lot was, right? So mm-hmm. the king of Sodom comes out to meet him in the valley of Shava, that is the king's valley. Then Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. He was priest of God Most High, and he blessed Abram, saying, Blessed be Abram by God Most High, creator of heaven and earth, and praise be to God Most High, who delivered your enemies into your hand. Then Abraham gave him a tenth of everything. Okay. Our next card is Melchizedek. Wow. I thought I was going to be able to remember these cards, but Melchizedek... Yeah, or and it's spelled like Chizadek. It's M-E-L-C-H-I-Z-A-D-E-K. Okay. Now, he gets passed over in most stories, okay? But the I feel like he plays an important part, a part that's worth bringing out in the overall history through the eyes of faith. Does he say high, doesn't it say high priest? Yes. He was a high priest of... Okay, so so this is where we're going. So what do we know about him? It says he's king of Salem, which Salem is the ancient name for Jerusalem, which also means peace. Okay. So he's king of peace. Okay. Mm -hmm. We know that. It says, then Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. Now, bringing out of bread and wine is, in my opinion, a little bit unusual in the Old Testament. Okay. Okay. Because what do we think of when you say bread and wine? The the Last Supper. Which is? The New Testament. Which is? Jesus. Jesus' last meal. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then our, what we call in the Christian community, communion. Mm-hmm. Okay. Meal of remembrance of Christ, bread and wine. So he brings out bread and wine. And it says, he was priest of God most high. Now, where do priests come from in the Hebrew tradition? Do you have any idea? I don't. I would have to assume a family of some kind. Yeah, so so where they come from, it's out of the lineage of Aaron. Okay, Aaron is Moses' brother. Well, that tells you right immediately it's after this story, right? Because we don't have a Moses yet, right? We have Noah, and we have... So this story of... Melchizedek. Melchizedek blessing Abraham. Uh Uh-huh. And Abraham, in turn, blessing him. Well, yeah, he does Gives him a tenth. yes. If he's 
from the line of Aaron, right? What you're saying? Well, I say priests usually come from the line of Aaron, but there isn't a line of Aaron yet. Okay. 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 Right. So like, like when we talk about priests in the Old Testament, the priest in the Old Testament was Aaron is Moses's brother who is in the tribe of Levi, which we haven't gotten to all the tribes yet. That hasn't happened. Okay. Okay. And so, but the law is given to Moses and then all of the priests come from the lineage of Aaron. So then how can he be a high priest? Good question. Hang on to that. What does, so what does he do? You already said this. Melchizedek, he's the priest of the most high God and he blessed Abraham. So what he does is bless Abraham. He says, blessed be Abram by God most high creator of heaven and earth and praise be to God most high who delivered your enemies in your hand, given God the credit for the victory, blessing Abraham. And then what does Abraham do? He gives him a tent. And what does that sound like? Giving a tent. Tithing. Yes. And do you know the history of tithing, where tithing comes from? You don't. That's fine. But if you do. Okay. So in, once again, back to what we call the Mosaic law, the law, the Ten Commandments, all of this law. We'll get to it in the story that is given to Moses by God. God tells Moses that the people will give a tenth of what they make off of the land to the Levites who are the priest for their living because the priests, all the other tribes are given land. Okay. They have Mm -hmm. land to live off of, but the Levites live off of what the people give them, which is the 10th. So tithing is giving to God for the purpose of his servants. Right. Is there a chance that this story is happening after Moses? No, Moses ain't here yet. Okay. Nobody's here, but Abram. Okay, Abraham is the father of Isaac, who's the father of Jacob, who's the father of the 12 tribes. Moses is descended. Like, we're going to get to all that. Okay. So this is happening early. So, but what we, what I see right off the bat is he's, the, the bread and wine thing catches my attention. He blesses Abraham. Abraham gives him a tithe that he's, his name means king of peace. So, and as you're rightly realizing, there is not, these things haven't yet. We don't have preached yet. Uh, we don't have a last supper yet. We don't have the commitment to tithe yet. Now, yeah. So this raises the question about who is Melchizedek? Who is this guy that shows up with the name King of Peace, King of Salem, and... High Priest of God. Yeah. So I've included him here because I think he's an important link in the story. If we look in Psalm, which Psalms was written by David, which is also way down the line. Mm -hmm. But he says in Psalm 110, verse 4, The Lord has sworn and will not change his mind. Quote, you are a priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. So David is talking about the Lord. And scholars would tell you that is a prophecy of Jesus in the future, you are a priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek, meaning that not according to the order of Levi, like it was called the Levitical priesthood. This is different. This is the order of Melchizedek from way back. Jump over to Hebrews chapter 6, verses 20 through chapter 7, verse 3. So New it's, Testament. Yeah, New Testament. Thank you for pointing that out because Hebrews, that's a confusing name. So now we're over in the New Testament. Not sure who the author of Hebrews was, but um, 
we, we just don't know. Scholars differ on that. But it is in the New Testament, and it's one, we know that it was one of the latter letters written in the New Testament. So this is after Jesus' death, resurrection, the church has started. And in the end of chapter 10, uh, chapter 6, into chapter 7, it says, quote, where Jesus has entered as a forerunner for us, that's the end of a previous sentence, having become a high priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. For this Melchizedek, king of Salem, priest of the Most High God, who met Abraham as he was returning from the slaughter of the kings and blessed him, to whom also Abraham appointed a portion, a tenth part of all the spoils, was first of all, by the translation of his name, king of righteousness, and then also king of Salem, which is king of peace." without father, without mother, without genealogy, having neither beginning of days nor end of life, but made like the Son of God, he remains a priest perpetually. So they're saying he's God? Like the Son of God, he remains a priest perpetually. So no father. Uh-huh. Without a genealogy. He's not descended from a priesthood genealogy. He just shows up. Okay. This word, theophany. Okay, theophany. The definition of theophany is when God entering into the story, a visible manifestation to humankind of God. And that's how this story gets interpreted by most scholars, is that Melchizedek is a theophany, a God entering into the story, a visible manifestation to humankind of God. The fact that ties are given to him makes him part of the Godhead without father and mother or descendants had no genealogy not he was not an ordinary mortal he abideth continually made like unto the son of god which says that he's a high priest forever okay now the argument in hebrews that that the author of hebrews is making is that christ is of that lineage he is like melchizedek a high priest forever mm-hmm. not of a of a human lineage with the beginning right. and an end. So once again, we're here, we're looking at how the truths of the new Testament are illustrated by the old Testament. And it's seen over and over again, like a foreshadowing. That's interesting. So I didn't know about Melchizedek. Yeah. It, I can't say that I had really paid a whole lot of attention to him on my first few times through. But he's there when Abraham rescues Lot. And the other thing that's interesting, Abraham gives back all of the spoil. He allows his warriors, it's named in there, you can look it up and read it, to, to pick out a few things that they want. But the king of Salem is like, here, you know, take some. Thank you for doing this. And he's like, no, I'm giving it all back. But he gives it back after he's given a tenth to Melchizedek, which... The fact that it's he's giving a tenth is recognizing the Godhead there. Yeah. Um. I think God is putting these things here in this story to point the way to Jesus. It's a little bit mysterious, and there's always going to be a little bit of faith in it. Um. So that's an interesting thing. So I have a card for Melchizedek because of the next story also, because I think to me, the two go together and are such a essential part of the big story. Okay. Okay. 
So at this point in the story, Abraham has been told twice by God that he will be blessed. But there's nothing recorded that Abraham says back to God up till now. Now, we, we did read, I think it's the first time that he's been told that. And so um, it's going to take me a second here to grab the second time. So I think we're in Genesis chapter 15. And I'm just going to read after these things. Now, the last thing before this is this story of Melchizedek and the kings. And so 15 starts with after these things. The word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision, saying, Do not fear, Abram. I am a shield to you. Your reward shall be very great. And Abram said, So now Abram's talking, O Lord God, what wilt thou give me since I am childless? And the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus, which would have been like his closest relative, whoever that is. Mm -hmm. Okay. And Abram said, Since thou hast given no offspring to me, one born in my house is my heir. Then behold, the word of the Lord came to him, saying, this man will not be your heir, but one who shall come forth from your own body. He shall be your heir. And he took him outside, meaning God took Abraham outside, and said, Now look toward the heavens and count the stars, if you are able to count them. And he, if you are able to count them. And he said to him, So shall your descendants be. So there's another dust of the earth, stars in the heavens. And then the next thing it says, and I think this is... Um, one of the, if not the most important, not the verse in the Bible. Genesis 15, verse 6. And this is speaking of Abraham. Then he believed in the Lord, and he, meaning God, reckoned it to him, meaning Abraham, as righteousness. And he, God, said to him, I am the Lord who brought you out of Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land to possess it. And he said, O oh Lord God, how may I know that I shall possess it? And then it goes through this whole sacrifice and goes in the story. So Abraham believed and God reckoned it to him as righteousness. So what does that mean, reckoned? What does that word mean? Um, if, do we ever use that recognized word? Recognized it. Um, no. Uh no, it's like like in accounts. Like, have you reconcile accounts? Yeah, you make it even. You make it balance. Mm -hmm. So God. So another way is sometimes how it gets translated in other translations. He counted it as righteousness. He counted it as righteousness. So what did Abraham do in that sentence? He believed. He believed, and God said, "Thus you are righteous, because you believe." Right. Not because you did this, or you did that, or you didn't do this, or you did do that. Not because you kept the law, or you broke the law. But because you what? Believed. You believe me. Mm -hmm. And the Melchizedek, I just think it's interesting that this story lands right there by Melchizedek. Because it happens. Because he's also acknowledging that you believed. You gave 10% to Melchizedek. There, there's already... A story of his faithfulness, of his faith, his faith mm -hmm. in God. Mm -hmm. Like, why would he give Melchizedek 10%? Because he recognized that God had brought him the victory. Yeah. You know? So he gives that 10%, and then and then he says, he says to God, how do I know that I'm going to, you know, 
is this guy going to be my heir, my closest relative? He's like, no, somebody's going to come from your body. And Abraham believed him, and God counted him as righteous. Now, Paul, in the New Testament, one of the apostles, then teaches all about righteousness through faith. And this is the foundational a foundational part of the Christian faith. It's faith. It's righteousness through faith, not through works. And God sets that up right from the beginning right here in Abraham. And he believed and it was reckoned to him as righteousness. On a bank account, if you have a debt, it changes your status to not having a debt. That's what reckoning is. Okay. Mm-hmm. It, it balances that out. Credited to him as righteousness is another way that it's saying. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's cool. So we've got the card of Abraham, and then we have Melchizedek, and then the next card says Abraham believed and it was credited to him as righteousness. That's the card? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. I would guess the next card is Isaac. Oh, well, let's see. I think you're probably right, but let's let's tell the story up to Isaac, okay? So remember, Abraham has a wife. What's his name? Her name? Sarah. Sarah. Her name also gets changed to Sarah, another part of your homework assignment. And so Sarah knows that God has been, that God has told Abraham that she's going to have, and there's even a story in there where she laughs at that idea. And, and yet... They're getting older, much older, and there is no baby. And so she's like, well, maybe what that means is that I'm not going to have the baby. But in the, in that culture, if you were barren, you could give your handmaiden to your husband to procreate. And then his offspring would be counted as yours because it was your handmaiden. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. So her handmaiden is named Hagar. There I go with this. Does that make sense? Did you catch that? Mm-hmm. And um, so she gives Hagar to Abraham, and Hagar gets pregnant, and she has a son, and his name is Ishmael. Okay. Okay. And then, you know, I think, again, there's another story. I'm not reading it where um, Abraham's asking, is Ishmael? No, it's going to be a child born of you and Sarah. That's going to happen. Can I inject here something? Yes. Is there another faith that has this same story? Another? Well, yeah, we'll come we'll come right back. Okay, let me say one thing okay. um, about what happens here, and then we'll talk about Ishmael a little bit. Um, You'll find this interesting. The idea that Hagar, that Sarah gives Hagar, I think that that's a principle that we see a lot in our lives and in Scripture of not waiting on God. We are trying to figure it out. We see God's plan. We're trying to make it happen for ourselves. Yeah. We're not going to wait on it. And there's always consequences for that. And so... And this is a big one. This is a big one because there is Ishmael. And then once Sarah does conceive with Isaac and Isaac's born, then she doesn't have any use for Ishmael. And ends Ishmael up... Ishmael was the their attempt to create a lineage. Yeah. So he is Abraham's son, but he's not the promised son that comes through his wife. And so Sarah says to Abraham, look, you need to get rid of Hagar and Ishmael because she's laughing to me, making fun of, you know, she needs to, to go on. Okay, okay, pause a second. Okay. Just to catch up. Yeah, I'm, that's good. Catch him up. The Lord God has said to Abraham, you're going to have a son. 
by your wife, Sarah. Sarah's like, that's great. But maybe since I'm so old, maybe... She does wait a little while before she she does. Yeah, but at some point she says, this ain't happening. Maybe God means that you're going to have a son, but through my handmaiden, which is an assistant named Hagar. Servant, whatever. Sounds like a guy, but it's a woman. Hagar. Hagar and Abraham have a son named Ishmael. And they're thinking this is going to be the the descendants that Abraham's going to have more descendants than the stars. And Hagar is kind of lo- lording that over Sarah. Here she is, her servant, but she's going, I had the baby. I got the boy. Yeah. And <laughs> then Sarah ultimately does get pregnant. So what she was saying is, as 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 humans, if we feel like God's going to do something for us, instead of having faith... Even if he straight up promised us. Yeah, instead of having faith that he's going to do it, we try to figure out a way to make it happen ourselves. So Sarah, On our time. On our time. So like Hagar and Sarah decided we're going to figure this out, and then Abraham fathers Ishmael. Then Sarah ended up getting pregnant in old age, and they have a son named Isaac. So you got this true son of Abraham and Sarah, Isaac. And you've also got this son of Abraham and Hagar, Ishmael. So you following that? Ishmael and Hagar now, like, Sarah's like, yeah, they're not, that was on us. Sorry, God, our bad. Hagar and Ishmael. She's um, like, she's well, she's making fun. She's giving me a hard time. She goes to her husband and say, you got to get rid of them. And, and Abraham doesn't know what to do. Um. And and this is kind of this is actually before Isaac's born, but it's the point I wanted to make in chapter seventeen of Genesis in verse eighteen. God says, God has told him, "No, you and Sarah are going to have a child." And Abram said to God, "Oh, that Ishmael might live before thee," meaning that Ishmael might be the one. And he said, but God said, no, but Sarah, your wife shall bear you a son and you shall call his name Isaac. And I will establish my covenant with him for an everlasting covenant for his descendants after him. And as for Ishmael, I have heard you behold, I will bless him and will make him fruitful and will multiply him exceedingly. He shall become the father of 12 princes, and I will make him a great nation. But my covenant I will establish with Isaac, whom Sarah will bear to you at this season next year. And so what is the punchline you can't wait to get to, Frank? I don't know the answer. I think it has to do with Ishmael. Yeah, it does. Well, then tell it. So Ishmael is the father of a nation, and it's the Arabs from which come the Muslims. So the Muslims' faith, his father is Ishmael. They will still say Father Abraham in the same way that Jews would say Father Abraham, which current events that Abraham accords, that's how they got that name. Because that's the common ancestor between the Arabs and the Jews. And something happened recently with the Abraham Accords. Right, this is what I'm saying, that that was not this agreement that was recently signed by, I'm not going to get the parties right, Israel and, is it Syria? No, who is it? United Arab Emirates, that's what it is, and another one. Bad, somebody Google that real quick, because we need to get that straight. But they named it the Abraham Accords because that's the common ancestor. It's an agreement between Israel, the land of the Jews, a Jewish nation, 
and two Arab nations. So they're going, we're focusing on what we have in common, not what our differences are. The Abraham Accords, kind of cool, huh? And you know what I heard? What did you hear? This that when the Abraham Accords was signed recently, mm-hmm. that the primary headline had to do with the coronavirus and the fact that there are people not wearing masks. Could have been. Instead of what was really happening with Israel and the Arab countries. Yeah, don't want to get into too much commentary. I don't either. That's stupid. <laughs> anyway. I mean, you know, So, Ishmael science. was the father of a great nation with 12 princes. Ishmael so, was, yeah. Yes, and so then there's a story and about... one of those princes recorded Purple Rain. <laughs> Just it all goes around. Did you look it up, Wes? Do you have it yet? Uh, no, I wasn't. Okay. He wasn't, he wasn't, he wasn't working on he that? Was, was, yeah. Okay. Was, he got an alert from eBay about some stuff he had on hold. <laughs> got a bid now. Yeah. I'm okay. Sorry. sorry. Bidding war with this. Uh, it's a Maltese Falcon replica from the movie. <laughs> gotta go. Okay. So that where I was reading was actually before Isaac's birth because it's after Isaac's born that Sarah is like, get rid of you know, push Ishmael out, and then there's a story about Ishmael and Hagar and God taking care of them and all that kind of stuff, but. There, where God tells Abraham, don't worry about Ishmael. I'm going to make him a great nation, too. But, but then is you- the other? I'm sorry, Abraham Accords, just real quick. Is, you got Ishmael, Isaac, and then what's the other? What are you talking about? You said the Abraham Accords. The recent thing is called Abraham Accords because they share. There's three nations, yeah. okay? So it's, it's Israel, Israel and the United Arab em- Emirates and somebody else. That's the one I want to know. That's well, what I told Wes. But to are look they? Up. Who are they? Is it no, Ishmael? The dis- the both of the other nations are Arab slash Muslim nations. Oh, so they both are uh, Ishmael. Yes. No, no, not Palestine. This we're looking really dumb right now for all these people that are listening. Just let me tell you. Just Google Abraham Accords. <laughs> Just put in Abraham Accords, and we'll edit all this out. This is still, we're in the cold open, by the way. This is the cold open. <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> Listen to a podcast, they'll go 45 minutes and go, this is the cold, cold this is open. not even the show. This is not even the show. you got to stay for the deal. Okay, so the point is, Abraham is the common ancestor of the Arabs and the Jews. Okay? Right. Now, just as a side note, while we're looking this up, not all Arabs are Muslims, but Muslims are primarily, I mean, anybody can be a Muslim, okay? Mm -hmm. But Muslims come from the Arab nation, okay? And Muhammad was an Arab, okay? Okay. So that's, and he's the father, the founder of Islam. Yeah. And just in case you're wondering, Islam is the name of the religion and Muslim is the name of the people that follow the religion. Right. Okay. So sometimes. They don't, they're not Muslim, Muslimanities. (laughs) It's not Muslimanity and I'm a Muslim. Are you there yet? And that's it. Okay, so maybe I was trying to put a third when there wasn't a third. Somehow I had mm-hmm. that in my head. Anyway, okay. It is cool. Common ancestor, Abraham. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. So now we got Isaac. So now Isaac has been born. Is Isaac the next card? Isaac and Abraham is, was called righteous because he believed. And Abraham, then, uh, it was credited to him as righteousness. Credited to him as righteousness. Yes, and, and then, then Isaac, okay, which is his son. Yes, Isaac's born. Glad he's here. 
Okay. Then we're going to jump over to chapter 22. Okay. Of Genesis. Of Genesis. Just so the listeners know, every book of the Bible is going to be about five episodes. No, it's not. Totally incorrect. Genesis is a foundational book because it's like the beginning stories for it's laying the found the the framework for almost everything that comes after. Exodus is a little bit will be in Exodus to some, but once we get past that, then we'll be moving rather quickly in more overviews. So we won't be like reading passages trying to only be of one or two chapters apart, you know. Yeah. This, the history through the eyes of faith will go well beyond, in perspective, it will go well beyond the biblical narrative, okay? It will continue beyond the end of the New Testament because history has continued all the way up to now, right? Right. But um, in chapter 22, this might be a story that you're, you've probably heard about in one way or another. Now, it came about after these things... And by this time, let's say Isaac was at least a teenager, could have been older, okay? That God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, here I am. And he said, God said, take now your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I will tell you. (laughs) I wish y'all could see Wes's face. I love it. Mm -hmm. So, because it's like, what does your face say? What? Yeah, don't do that. (laughs) that. That's right. (laughs) Yeah, so pretty far out their story. Okay, yeah. So Abraham, so you would think Abraham would go, what? Wait a minute. I thought this was supposed to be the... Hmm. Okay, but Abraham, so Abraham, what does he do? He rose early in the morning and saddled his donkey and took two of his young men with him and Isaac, his son, and he split wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. On the third day, it was not a close journey. On the third day, Abraham raised his eyes and saw the place from a distance. It took them three days to get there. Mm-hmm. They're traveling. And Abraham said to his young men, Is the third day symbolic? Probably. Okay. Stay there. Stay here with the donkey, and I and the lad will go yonder, and we will worship and return to you. He wasn't telling the truth. Why well, he went and tell the truth? That's what he believed was going to happen. Stay there with the donkey, and I and the lad will go yonder, and we will worship and return to you. But he's going to go up there. He's going up there to sacrifice his son. But he believes that Isaac's coming back with him. He doesn't know how God's going to work that out, but he means it when he says that we're going to return. Okay. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac, his son, and he took in his hand the fire and the knife. So the two of them walked on together. And Isaac spoke to Abraham and his father and said, My father. And he said, Here I am, my son. That's also, did you know that's the same language of God says Abraham? And he says, Here I am. So he says, Here I am, my son. And he said, Behold, the fire and the wood. But where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Isaac's going, "Uh, I thought we were going to make an offering. Where's the lamb? And Abraham said, God will provide for himself the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. So the two of them walked on together. Then they came to the place of which God had told him. And Abraham built the altar there and arranged the wood and bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. 
And Abraham stretched out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. Now, the children, the Bible I had when I was a little girl had this picture. And I so clearly can see it with the Abraham with the raised knife over his head, you know, ready to sacrifice his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, here I am. And he said, do not stretch out your hand against the lad and do nothing to him. For I now know that you fear God, since you have not withheld your son, your only son from me. Then Abraham raised his eyes and looked and behold, behind him, a ram caught in the thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered him up for a burnt offering in the place of his son. And Abraham called the name of the place the Lord will provide, as it is said to this day, in the mount of the Lord it will be provided. So, and then things go on from there. So there is a lot in there, isn't there? Do you Mm -hmm, think? mm -hmm. He was willing to sacrifice his son, and then another sacrifice was happened to be there after the angel came. The The ram. The the ram was... was there and God, what did Abraham tell Isaac when Isaac asked? God will provide the God will provide the lamb. God will provide the lamb. The lamb. The lamb. And then there it is caught in the thicket. You recognize right off, like your thought was, well, he's not telling the truth. I think that he was telling the truth, that that's what he believed was going to happen. I heard just recently it interpreted that, God didn't, that Abraham didn't know how it was going to happen, but he knew because God had promised that Isaac was going to be the one, that Isaac was coming back with him. So here you see, see, that's that, get, we just naturally think, but how? Like, God, why are you asking me to do this? Because if I do this, then. But apparently Abraham wasn't thinking that. He's like, okay, it doesn't make sense to me. I don't understand I can go sacrifice Isaac. So you must have something that's going on that I don't know about. I'm going to trust you and move forward and be obedient with what you've asked me to do, which is pretty radical, Uh right? So um, what what are the things that we see in this story um, that are maybe pointing to future stories? God provided the lamb? Yes. Yes. I didn't know there was going to be a quiz. I'm a little bit... Um, well, like... Faith? Yeah. God, if you look forward into the New Testament, God didn't ask Abraham to do anything that he wasn't himself willing to do. Because what does God do in the New Testament? He sacrifices his son. His son, He comes as, as his son, yeah, mm-hmm. and is willing to... So... God hath provided the lamb. How is, what is one of the titles of Christ? The lamb of God. The lamb of God. So this story is so much about faith, about God's provision. I think your point about taking three days to get there, Christ was in the grave for three days Mm -hmm. before he was resurrected. Um, There's... Sung in choirs a lot of my life, and um, there's a song that an anthem. What's an anthem, Frank? What does that mean if I say I sang an anthem? An anthem? Uh huh. Do you know what's what that a, is? 
Well, I know what an anthem is, but I don't know what you're asking me for. Well, like, well, I mean, I just don't know if you think about it the same way I think about it. But I think about like that's what we would call when the choir would sing together, yeah, like yeah. a special music kind but of thing. I also thing. think as an anthem is a as a it it has a meaning. It's like a tribute towards something. Oh, okay, it's an anthem. Like if a school has an anthem, um, the the United States has an anthem. So in in the in the case of like in a worship service, it's almost like a statement of faith. It's yeah. almost like, okay, so this anthem is called God Hath Provided the Lamb. And we would sing it every year at Easter. And I want to read you the words to it because it's like crazy beautiful. And it's hard to describe. I encourage you to like Google it. Although I've had a hard time finding a recording of the version which we sang because this was the bass parts are just really powerful, but I, th- I think you can find it. And so it says, sing hallelujah. God hath provided the lamb. Sarah was barren, but God promised Abraham, lo, I will give you a son. Your seed shall be as the sands of the sea through you. I will bless everyone. Then God spoke to Abraham, take thy son, Isaac, go into the mountains above there on the altar of sacrifice, lay him. Give me the child of thy love. Up on the mountain to the place of the sacrifice, slowly they walked hand in hand to lay on the altar the promise of Israel, obeying God's command. But there in the wilderness, lo, a voice thundered. God spoke to his servant again. Take not the life of thine only son, Isaac, for God hath provided the lamb. Then the chorus comes in, which I'll skip and come to. Sing hallelujah, God hath provided the lamb. Next verse is, weary and wandering down through the ages, oppressed and afflicted within. No more the sacrifice given by man could atone for the evil of sin. God sent his only son, Jesus Messiah, to die on the altar of man. Once and for all, the atonement was made, and God hath provided the lamb. It's pretty powerful. Isn't it? Who wrote that anthem? Don't have the reference right here. Sorry. Hmm. Um, but Google it, because I, I did have it, and I should have it in my notes. Can I just I... say for the other search engines out there? We're being biased. Go search for it on the internet. Go search for it on the internet. I mean, I hate that Google's getting all the credit. Go Google it. No, I'm sorry. Go search for it. You might Bing it. You might Google it. You might Yahoo it. You might MSN it. There okay. you go. Sorry. Thank you. Sorry. No. Search. I'm just being weird. I did. I, I'm pretty sure it was female, and I had her name written down, and I don't have it here. So I apologize uh-huh. to her for that. So well, when we find that out, we should drop in a credit because uh-huh. it is very, very powerful and the arrangements very powerful um love it but it is that example in that song of foreshadowing we've talked about most of that we haven't talked about the part the sacrifice given by man could atone for the evil of sin but that's going to come as we move into moses and the law and so here god has put in a story at the beginning of his book in the first book of his word in the relationship with the man that he called out to come to Canaan and the promised son that he gave him of being made righteous through faith and being faithful by being willing to offer your son, and yet God provides the lamb. So, so Melchizedek. Melchizedek. Mm-hmm. Melchizedek. Melchizedek. All right. So can I just go back for a second? Sure. We're at a good 
almost at a good ending place, okay? Okay. So I'm just going to say this. Creation. Adam and Eve. The fall. Cain and Abel. Seth. Noah. The flood. The Tower of Babel. I think so. Abraham. I think so. Melchizedek. Isaac. Oh, we left out uh, believed and credited as righteousness. That's after Melchizedek. Believe and credited as righteousness. Abraham believed and it was counted as righteousness. Counted as righteousness. Isaac. Abraham sacrifices Isaac. That's a card? Mm-hmm. Okay, well, he attempts to sacrifice Isaac. Yeah. And, and then what's the next one? I think it's Isaac's son, Jacob. Isaac's son, Jacob. That's the next story. Oh, because then we're going to get into tribes? That's, yeah, after Jacob, yeah. So, we, I mean, we can... It goes pretty quick. So who comes after Isaac is Jacob. And Jacob's mother was Rebecca. And there's a cool story about how Abraham sends his servant to find Jacob's mother back from his people. Remember his people that were back in, uh, what's the name of the town? I can't remember, but the town that Abraham's father stopped in and didn't go forward and Abraham left. So he sends back there. To those people, and some of those people that are mentioned in that, that are named at that intro where you thought this is a boring part, Mm -hmm. is who he sends his servant back to. And it's a cool story how he finds the wife that um, is intended for Isaac, her name is Rebecca. And he comes back, and Isaac marries Rebecca, and they have Jacob, but Jacob is a twin. And his twin brother is Esau. So yeah, we'll pick up with them if that if you feel like this is a stopping. Jacob part. and Esau. Yeah. So Jacob is the, the card. The sons of Isaac mm-hmm. and Rebecca. Mm-hmm. That Abraham went and got. Rebecca. Well, a servant. Servant. His servant. Cool story. Okay. Yeah, I think that's a good place. Um, and I. Melchizedek. Mm-hmm. That's what I've learned, and I'm excited about that. Because that's a very interesting. Th- I'd like to read more about that. Yeah, it's cool how it comes back up in Hebrews, and like you yeah. don't ever really notice that. It comes yeah. back up in Hebrews, which is where the Bible say it's the husband's role to make the coffee in the morning. Is it mm-hmm. Hebrews? Hebrews. Yeah, yeah. That's also if we're on that. And line, right now, there's a listener going, "See, I knew that. I know that joke is so funny. I always say that it says in the Bible that the husband makes coffee. You know, Hebrews." <laughs> We can see you church on Wednesday night. Y'all gonna do that green that green bean casserole again this week? That's so good. Yeah, that's the other one that goes with that is you know God is left-handed. He's left-handed. Mm-hmm. You know why? Why? Because Jesus is sitting on his right hand. Oh my goodness! <laughs> well, you know the wise men were in a Honda. I knew that was coming because they were in one accord. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know, when they had the, the COVID thing here and they had this outdoor praise and worship and everybody came in their cars, I was like, if the guy on the mic does not say, who here is in one accord? <laughs> uh, he didn't say, oh, we got guests coming in. We're going to wrap it up. 
Thank you for listening. History through the eyes of faith. Go make a cup of coffee, husbands. Thanks for listening to History Through the Eyes of Faith podcast. Brought to you by One Thing Only. Find us online at onethingonly.org. Click on History Through the Eyes of Faith podcast for more information, reference material, our social media links, as well as a way to contact us to leave questions or comments. We will soon be streaming on all your favorite podcast platforms. Please rate and review. Thanks again for listening to History Through the Eyes of Faith podcast.